I'm Mike Gorman, and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog. Here's your host, Adam Taylor. What is good, everybody? Happy Monday. We're going to be looking back now at the entire season as a whole. Today, we're going to be giving each player their report card grade. Myself and Brendan are going to have to get creative over the next few months while we wait for basketball to come back. As we get nearer the draft, we'll obviously talk about that. But for right now, let's see who flunked out and who was acing their class. I'm joined by Mr. Brendan Nunes. He's chilling, not feeling too great today, though. I think he's a little bit under the weather. What's going on, Brendan? Not much, man. Doing all right. Yeah, I've got a little bit of a cough to me, but nothing too serious. And it's just a cough for anybody out there. Um, and yeah, like you said, today, diving into uh, grades, seasonal grades for all of the Celtics throughout this year. And we'll probably just go through the whole roster, really. Um, how do you want to do this? Like, do you want to do that, say, a C was your expectation for them, that they just met? Um, and then, like, anything up from that? Because, like, you know, say an A for Jalen Brown and an A for Grant Williams would mean two really different things considering, like, what they were expected, right? Yeah, so if they meet expectations, it's a C. Anything below that is how far below our expectations they fell. Anything above that is how much they kind of exceeded expectations. Do we want to give them, here's one that's just came to my head and we'll keep this on air while we do it. Do we want to give them one grade for regular season, one grade for playoffs? Because I feel like that was two completely different seasons within itself. Um, yeah, we could at least talk about the differences. Um, yeah, I don't see why not. Okay, then, so let's kick it off with the newest addition to the Celtics this season, the one with a infectious smile, Mr. Kemba Walker. Brendan, what was your expectation? So has Kemba, I see, has Kemba met your expectations? Did he or did he not rise above those expectations? Hmm. I think that he met them, and it was probably a bit higher because I didn't think he would so seamlessly be able to transition to playing off the ball. And yeah, I mean, he had not that much of a lower usage, but obviously a lower role that he was working with um, compared to all the times that he was solo in Charlotte. I liked that he took a majority of his shots, 51% of his shots from three um, and did a really good job taking advantage of that. You know, he got more corner threes than he has throughout his entire career. He was hitting them at a good clip. So I mean, overall, it was kind of what I expected of Kemba. I don't think that he, like, blew me away in any sort of way. Um, Yeah, I mean, we signed him to a max contract. The Celtics signed him to a max contract. Like, you thought that you were getting an all-star level guy. And, yeah, I mean, you know, 31 points a night on 20 points. Like, definitely no slouch that we're talking about here. And he had, obviously, good percentages to him as well. Like. I definitely was not underwhelmed or he didn't like not meet my expectations. It's just hard to say that it was like that much higher than what my expectations were for him. So what are you giving him a C or a B? Go like B minus. B minus. Okay. So when Kemba, I've been quite vocal about this as well. When Kemba was first acquired by the C's, I was a little bit, dubious would probably be the best word to use. I was dubious about whether or not 
they needed another scoring guard, whether whether Kemba was going to take the touches away that Tatum would require, that Brown would require. And then obviously another undersized point guard that Brad Stevens seems to usually coax the best out of. Offensively, look, he's exactly what was advertised on the team. Runs the pick and roll really well. Likes to fire straight off coming off that big man's shoulder. Can penetrate when he needs to. Can hit that his mid-range game is just water. It's probably the most beautiful aspect of his game in terms of aesthetics. And defense is a liability. And we saw that primarily through the playoffs once teams started scheming for him more heavily. I'm not sold that he's the guy to get them over the hump at this point, just because I feel like at his age with the knee issues that we saw, and I feel like he made a bad decision by wanting to stay in during the all-star game himself. And he didn't really kind of respect what his body was telling him. And then the Celtics paid the price for that further down. And a bit of the blame can be put on Nick Nurse as well for letting him stay out there during the all-star game. A B minus sounds about fair. C plus, I'd probably, yeah, I want to go over C plus. It just about beat my expectations. This is an all-star guard, remember, that's came in. Um, the way he galvanized the locker room and he really encouraged the guys, the young guys like Jalen and Jason to push on and be, be free to take the shots within the offense. Like That's what gets him that plus because what he showed on the floor was what the minimum you expect off a max contract all-star guard. Which right. means the next guy, have you got something you wanted to add? No, no, that's about it on him. Next guy would be Brad Wanamaker. I mean, Brad, like, I, I think that it's, again, someone that's not going to be a negative if we're talking C is um, your expectations going in. I think it's got to be higher than that for him. Um, I definitely didn't expect him to be, like, the seventh best player on this team. Like, I knew it was thin, but I felt like he did a really good job, especially if we're talking uh, a bit of the postseason as well, you know he did a quality job getting to the rim and there wasn't a great amount of Celtics that were phenomenal at doing that. He was extremely efficient throughout the year um, and worked pretty well without the ball in his hands. Um, I think that, you know, you've pointed out, obviously he had his issues in transition and maybe would sometime do a little bit too much, but for a guy that I feel like we weren't expecting that much going into the year for him to play 20 minutes and, you know, be able to shoot at, you know, 50 effective field goal percentage. Like he he was a, he was a fine bench player, a fine backup point guard. And I I worry that he wouldn't be able to fill that role going into the year. And I thought he did an okay job. Like, but at the same time, he didn't impress me or anything. Or, you know, we talked about it last episode. He didn't do enough for me to be like, okay, we have to bring this guy back. Um, So it's really like, it's probably a C plus. Like he impressed me a bit, I guess, and maybe it should be a little higher. I don't know. I'll, I'll stick with C plus with Wanamaker because there were moments of frustration, and he might have been a little streaky. And maybe he's just giving getting credit because the rest of the bench unit kind of sucked. Um. So yeah, I think you know it, it's it's interesting because everybody's going to need to remember that we're doing these grades with C being what you expected from them going into the year. Because it's gonna hear, it's gonna sound crazy. Like if I gave Brad, Brad Wanamaker a B minus right now, and we just gave Kemba a B minus, you know. So just as long as everybody's on board with like C is based on what you expected going into the year, like he was a little better, I guess, than what I expected. C C plus, I'll go for Wanamaker. 
I mean, the one thing that really worries me and frustrated me throughout the season was his turnover ratio. So he, throughout, the, throughout the, um, the regular season, he had a 17% usage rate, but he had a 14% turnover rate. So, you know, when your turnovers are nearly matching your usage, and that's like Oof. one for one, yeah, it's real bad. Um, a lot of those probably came in transition when the Celtics were pushing the ball and he'd put his head down. Uh, I've had my rants and raves about that. However, his shot profile in terms of accuracy and picking his spots, he played like a vet. He played like a guy that is nearly 32, that's played across the, like the globe. And he made sure that when he took shots, they were always high quality. Um, other than fast breaks, he was a good ball distributor, was very comfortable penetrating the offense throughout the regular season. That kind of fell off a little bit in the playoffs. I come in with very even-keeled expectations on Wanamaker. He's a low-cost low contract guy, very low-usage guy in terms of who else is out there. He just needs to play off ball and be able to hit shots and drive the lane when he needs to. Uh, a B minus or a B. Let's give it. I'm going to give him a solid B because he was very reliable throughout the season, despite some of his flaws. So I, I think he quite comfortably beat my expectations. He exceeded my expectations quite comfortably. Final guard that's under contract for the C's before we move on to... Oh, well, what's your grade for Wanamaker? I just said a B. Oh, I missed that. Okay, got it, got it. A B, a B. The other guy that I feel like we need to mention because he was signed to a multi-year deal last season is Carson Edwards. I, I mean, like... I'm going to just go out there and say an F. Yeah, like, I, I think that maybe he had too high of expectations going into the year, and that may have been part of the issue. But, yeah, the hope was that you would see spotty minutes in the NBA, and that just, like, didn't happen. Um, I'll probably go, like, a D, um, just to not feel, like, so harsh because rookie probably just had too high of expectations in the first place. But, yeah, I mean, he definitely didn't didn't meet those. Like, again, you were hoping you would get some flamethrower minutes coming off the bench. And and I guess, you know, he it probably was like the hype, like that Cleveland preseason game where, what, he knocked seven of them down, something like that. Yeah, and he came in off the back of a huge March Madness tournament as well. So he came in with a reputation as a microwave scorer, and that was exactly what the Celtics needed as down the stretch of the playoffs. Right. It was a guy that came in with the reputation Edwards had that I can come in, I can jump on the floor, I can, I can shoot five and hit three and really galvanize an offense. And he just just could not figure it out. Uh, I was really high on him coming into the season. I was left really disappointed. That taste in my mouth is bitter right now. Yeah. I mean, there's no way to say that his season like wasn't a disappointment. I just want to like emphasize that I don't think either one of us are out on Edwards or anything. It was a rough year and it wasn't like what we expected from him, but he's only 21 years old. It was the first season of his career. It's not like he can't come around at some point, you know? Oh, for sure. I'm definitely not out on Edwards. I just feel like if we're talking about a C is what we expected, then an F is as far away from what as I expected as possible. He gets an F. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'll go like D minus just to not sound so harsh, but I see where you're coming from here. And then we go to Marcus Smart. So what is your grade for Marcus Smart? Hmm. This is This is hard because like, I mean, he met expectations. He met expectations. But did he really, like, 
do that much more. I mean, I think expectations were already really high for Marcus and he probably impressed me a bit with his ability to like switch on to fives a bit more this season, I thought. Um, and being able to seamlessly step into the starting lineup, but we've seen him do this stuff before. I don't know. Larry, like this was a pretty like just average Marcus season. No, like I, I don't know how I can really chalk it to say it was less or more than what I expected. I mean, how'd you feel about his newfound love of shooting from free? Which isn't newfound. He's always liked to jack him up, but now it's like, to me, it's past what he should be shooting. Yeah, I mean, he's shooting more of them. Like, you know, before he was averaging about four a game, and this year he ended up getting up six. I don't know. Yeah, he shot more this year, and I don't love that. Um, but at the same time, like, the bench unit was a lot worse. Yeah, I'll so, give you that. I, I kind of see where he needed to pick up a bit more of the slack, but I think you're right. Like, I think he did it a bit too much for my liking. Um, I don't mind at times the chucking from three because, you know, he's not a great three-point shooter, but because he puts up so many of them at, like, a semi-decent clip, he does get respect and have a gravity to him, and that has value, so... Yeah, I see where you're coming from, and it worries me a little bit, but it's not enough for me to be like, this was a disappointing season for him. So what are you giving him? I think it's just a C. I think it's just like what I expected from Marcus, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, defense, he, you know, finishes in an all-NBA all defensive team. He does what he needs to do in closing guys down. He still struggles. I feel like he needs to figure out how to guard those quicker guards. I still feel like he struggles when he comes up against um, elite-level speed at the guard position. That seems to be the only knock on Smart's defense is he can get blown by by quicker guys. Um, he's much more comfortable going against bigger, stronger guys than he is going against smaller, niftier guys. Uh, I'm not saying that's a knock on him because that's something that he's struggled with throughout the first year or two of his career. Or sorry, the last year or two of his career. I'm going to give him a C plus simply because his shooting has been troublesome in terms of he can shoot you out of games as quick as he can shoot you in. But the fact that he's developed that three-point shot has added value to him, has kind of created... But my problem with it is, look, if we're just going on what he's gave to the season this season versus what I expected, I didn't expect him to be setting records for most frees in a game. I didn't expect him to be making multiple frees in a row down the stretch of a playoff game and being the guy to galvanize an offense. So I'll give him a C plus because overall it has just been a very Marcus Smart year. Yeah, fair enough. I think you have a good, really good point. And yeah, I mean, just a very Marcus year. Like all the positives comes from the defensive end. There's some highlights offensively, but for the most part, he was kind of inefficient on that end. Um, yeah, I mean, pretty much a pretty standard Marcus year. Now we move on to someone fun that's going to split opinion between the listeners and maybe even myself or you. We'll go with Hayward. Hmm. So, so what were your expectations for Hayward coming into this year? With stay healthy, <laughs> stay right. healthy, put together a solid fringe All Star level season. Those were my expectations. Mm-hmm. And I mean, especially when you're talking about the splits he's working with on 17 points a game, 50 percent from the field, 
38% from three, 85% from the free throw line. You pointed out before, you're really not that far from 50, 40, 90. Like there's a good little jump to actually get there, but it, it's not that bad. And to be pulling down six and a half boards, four assists a game, like he kind of just did a little bit of everything, right? And he didn't stay as healthy as you might want him to. Like obviously he had some deserved rest games. Um, Actually, no, I don't know if I can knock his health. Um, I was looking at the total games here, and in my mind I was thinking of 82 total, um, which obviously wasn't the case this year. I don't know. like He wasn't amazingly healthy or anything, but I think the amount of games he missed is about what you would expect going into the year. And I thought his play was pretty good, but it didn't like blow me away because like we just knew this is what Gordon was. Um, I think re- the thing that... Sorry to cut you off. Again. The thing that elevates it, elevates those numbers and elevates those statistics is the fact that he's done that as a fourth option. He's put up some second, what players who were a secondary option put up playing as the fourth man. So when you're putting up numbers like that on splits like that, and usually as a fourth option, the ball's finding you late in the shot clock or when a defense is locked out and denied your other three main guys, to be able to put stats up like that so consistently... When, like, to me, that kind of elevates what he managed to do because it means he was always the bailout guy, never the initiator. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. At the same time, I would say, like, sometimes on certain possessions, he was allowed to be the number one or, like, be the initiator. Um, but, yeah, I mean, like, third in the team in assists behind your two guards and Marcus and Kemba. I mean, I think that it obviously was a pretty impressive year for Gordon. And, and I would say it was more than what I expected but not by a crazy amount. I think that I'm probably going a B for Gordon. Yeah, I've got him at a B as well. Uh, I feel like he had a bit of a stop-start season because of everything that happened when he hurt his hand playing against the Spurs. Then he had all the my foot issues where it's like my foot still hurts after games and I don't know why. So when you're kind of getting into a groove, then being taken back out of that groove and then getting back into it and you're going through this cycle but you're staying consistent with your production on the floor. I think Hayward's probably one of the most adept players in the league now at ramping his fitness up during mid-season rapidly because he's had to do it so much over the last two years. A, B's, mm-hmm. a B to me is fair. Yeah, fine by me. Um, who do you want to move on to next? We'll go with Jalen Brown. I know you're a big, big, big Jalen Brown guy. Yeah, why don't you, why don't you kick this one off? Okay, so... Coming into the season, Brendan and I, when we were doing a podcast before we took over doing this one, both of us were very big on Jalen improving his left hand. Seemed to be a huge issue for him going left. Lots of turnovers when he went left. Struggled to score in the open floor if they got hedged and so forth. He comes in and to start the season, he's dunking on guys with his left hand. He's not just blowing by them with his left, he's finishing around the room with that same left hand. And it was kind of a big like... Because obviously it wasn't just myself and Brendan that were kind of discussing this narrative. It was a narrative that was within media circles. So it was kind of like a, hey, I hear you. Now look at what I can do. And from there, Jalen throughout the season has gone from strength to strength, um, both as an on-ball defender, an off-ball spot-up threat, and then a like a you know an on-ball... I wouldn't say he's a perimeter threat on-ball. He's definitely a perimeter threat off-ball. But he's more of a dribble drive threat on ball as on ball as well and then obviously that mid-range games evolved tremendously for me he completely exceeded expectations this season 
Yeah, I think that you got to say he has. And, you know, one of the key things that stands out is definitely his handle. I believe the jump was this year. Part of me almost thinks it might have been last year. It was just such a long season. Um, but his handle, like, clearly took a good, a good jump. He was comboing moves together. Um, yeah, like, was it this year? He had that snatchback reverse um, step back and then spin move against San Antonio. He had like multiple combo moves that I felt like Jalen wasn't able to put together before in order to create for himself a little bit. And I mean, the jump for him has got to come in the playmaking still. Um, Like there is obviously you mentioned left-handed finishing. I think that he clearly got better with, I think the handle clearly got better, but he's still turning the ball over a lot. It's still some of these, like it's the rawness of him that gets these, these bad turnovers, he gets tunnel vision a little too much. So I mean, like there's still clear flaws to Jalen, but they were the expected flaws. And he also covered up and improved on some of those flaws that I expected to be seeing going into the year. So I'm with you. I think that it's gotta be a positive year for Jalen. And this even for some people probably changed his trajectory moving forward. Like I, I question if he could be a number two on a championship team, but I think that the way he's played, like he might be able to be that guy. And a lot of it has to do with this season, him playing himself up to that level. So, yeah, I mean, I think that you got to be pretty kind to Jalen with this grade. And I don't remember exactly what yours was. I'm going with a B plus. So I went A minus. I I didn't say my grade at this point. The one thing I want to note as well about when you said his, uh, his handle has improved, but still needs to get better is he seems to pound the rock more than he does kind of finesse it. Everything's done with a lot of force. Uh, His center of gravity when he's dribbling is quite high. He needs to bring that ball down a little bit lower so he can use his shin to protect the crossovers and stuff. But those little things, Mm. those little nuanced tricks that you learn in the league, you learn them when you've tightened that dribble up already. I think we'll see a big jump from Jalen in terms of his, um, his handles and his dribble drive penetration will take another jump at which point his playmaker will take a jump because he'll become more of a gravitational scorer once he penetrates. So, yeah, I think an A-minus with an all-star appearance next season doesn't seem too out of touch. Do you agree? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not too far um, off from you. I question the all-star, but I, I, I see where yeah, you're coming from. Yeah, I think from. he's got all-star potential next season, especially because of his defense, yeah. the way he's playing two-way at the moment. Uh, definitely screams like potential all-star next year if he can car- carry this year's playoff form into the season. So then we move on to the newly, as far as I'm concerned, the king of the Celtics at this point, the guy that owns Boston sports across all of Boston is Mr. Jason Tatum. Now he, I, he came in, we all had our expectations. Remember this is all based on around what we expected. Brendan, how do you feel about Tatum's season? I mean, it's an A plus like, I think that the shooting threes off the dribble has become absolutely ridiculous. His usage took like a six and a half percent jump. Um, His effective field goal percentage also went up with that high usage, which is just insane to see. Um, Again, yeah, like I mentioned, you know, way more of his shots were coming um, from the three point line this year and he was doing it off the dribble, especially in that drop. Um, You saw him actually getting to the rim. I don't think he did a great job of finishing around there. And that's like a clear point of improvement for Tatum. But like he was, like you're saying, he was the best guy on this team. And it was very clear sometimes to just get the ball to Tatum, get out of the way. 
he would absolutely take over and dominate. We saw multiple game winners from Tatum this season. I think that like there's not many ways that you can go about it. Like, sure, we expected a jump from Tatum, but yeah, I mean, to the point where he's a top five player in the Eastern Conference, like, I, I don't think I was ready for that quite yet. And that's already happened, like, with the bigger responsibility. And at the same time, he's not sacrificing the other guy's touches at the top of the roster. So, like, there's still some holes that make me hesitate to say, like, A, plus, but I'll probably just go, like, an A for Tatum. Yeah, so the one thing I want to point out, because I pointed this out with Wanamaker, so I'll be consistent, is Tatum's usage rate jumps, as you said, about 7%, 7-8% in terms of usage. But his turnover percentage stayed pretty much the same as what it was the previous season. So he turned the ball over 10.3% of the times that he had possession. Sounds a lot, but when you think he was turning it over 10.1% of the time last year with 7% less usage rate, that's a lot more live dribbles that he's handling and not turning the rock over. So his actual handle improved itself. My biggest knock on him is his live dribble at speed. I've been quite vocal about this the last few weeks. In transition or changing gears when he's coming off the pick and roll, he can dribble quite high, which makes it easy to lose control or get get picked from. Little pit pocket, you know. So that's been an issue for him. But outside of that, his off-ball defense is... He's a guaranteed one or two steals off passing lanes every game at this point. Like every time he's got his guard and swung off ball and the ball's being swung over, you expect him to pick that lane. Uh, that was something I didn't expect to see from him yet. Uh, it kind of shut me in. Now it's become almost automatic. You expect him to jump out that lane and then get the ball in transition. When finishing around the rim, if you look at his stats for the regular season, he actually only really shut. Last season, uh, so the Kyrie season, he shot 33% of his shots around the rim. This season, he shot 32% of his shots around the rim. The only difference is his accuracy actually went down as well. So, no, I mean, it feels like he took more at the rim, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that we probably just saw him get there more because he had a higher usage. That would be fair. So just like the total amount of like actual times to the rim was probably higher. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that that's like a clear improvement path for him where I just thought he was like, it might be harsh, but I thought he was pretty terrible at finishing at the rim. Man, and that floater he added into his game during the playoffs was, uh, it was ugly. I think that was just because he couldn't finish at the rim. Like yeah, he got to a I point where like he's like, scared. I'm not even going to try. I feel like he's scared of the contacts as well. Like he doesn't, his frame's building out. He looks like he's physically bulked up, but I feel like he needs to add a few more pounds of muscle on so that when he's absorbing that contact, he's still got enough about him to finish with composure. And it's one thing finishing around the room, it's another staying composed through contact. And that's when you become like an elite level scorer around the room is when you can stay composed. Overall though, first all-star appearance, uh, worked his way and earned his position as the number one option on offense. Vastly improved defense. Yeah, he gets a solid day from me. Yeah, uh, no complaints from me. Moving on, who have we got left? Let's go We move through the top. There's one guy we're missing in the top, actually. Okay, so let's go with him. Let's go with Tice. Yeah, I mean, like I was impressed with Tice last year, but losing losing Horford, I thought that there was going to be a big fall-off defensively for this team. 
And that did not happen. Like the team stayed extremely exceptional on that end and, and credit due to Tatum and Jalen. And we gave them that already uh, going through those two guys, but a lot of it has to be due to Tice for being like the glue guy of this team. I thought he did a phenomenal job protecting the rim. Um, This only has been 24 minutes a game, which just doesn't even seem right. But yeah, I mean, he was a crucial guy for this roster. He at times felt like the only playable center that was on this team. He got a great synergy with the guys, specifically Tatum with those uh, pick and rolls. And then the seals that were going on again. Yeah. Great rim protection and switchability to him as well. Like, I think he was kind of the unsung glue guy that made this sacrifice to make everything work for this Celtics team. And he's probably the only other guy on the roster that I'm, I feel okay with like giving an, a genuine A to actually compared to C being expectations going into this year. Like I thought Tice was phenomenal actually. Yeah. Tice to me from what we expected and then what we got was an absolute I don't know what word to use. I'm just like, at times it felt like it was a parody, like the way, the way he was sealing guys. And it felt like guys were allowing him to do it and they weren't. He was just that good. He was the best guy in the league at uh, playing the pick and roll and then sealing the driving lane for somebody. It was phenomenal at points. I, I feel like he's got to get better with complaining to the refs. I know he gets a lot of bad calls, but at the same time, sometimes he does foul because he can get beat off the perimeter sometimes by a smaller guy especially with the switchability that the Celtics defense play with. But overall, like with what he's getting paid and what you expected of him coming into the season, what he gave you was exceptional. He definitely gets an A from me. I feel like he was one of the fairy tale stories of the season for Boston. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I'll go um, AA minus for Tice. Like there was no fall off from Horford leaving crazily. No, there was a little bit in terms of playmaking from the high post, but under, yeah, but rim protection. Yeah, like it was where I was worried. Yeah. Yeah. So that leads us to another big in NS Cantor. Now, I know you're not very high on Cantor as what I am in terms of what he offers for the value of the contract. So this is this is part of where like our grades might get a little weird because I think I had pretty low expectations for Cantor going into the year. And he probably just met that. Like I expected him to be terrible on defense, and he was. Um I didn't like the signing necessarily, um, but like in regards to the expectations I had for him going in, it was kind of to be a 2A, 2B backup center alongside Robert Williams. And he stayed healthy and was able to give you good regular season minutes, like spotty moments here in the playoffs if Brad felt like it was a good matchup for him. So like, yeah, I don't know. To be a guy that just goes out there and gets you second chance points, maybe you could throw throw the ball to in the low post and – really will be targeted on the defensive end. Like, I don't know. It, it was what I expected. Like, I, I can't really do anything except just like a C for Cantor for me. Let me just roll it back and give a quote that Brendan just said. I expected him to be bad on defense, and he was. How harsh can you be, dude? Like, dude, I mean, he was, dude. Like, it was. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was, yeah. But it was like, you know, be a bit nicer, man. Like, I get it, though. Like, Look, at the end of the day, I saw him coming in and being a glassy uh, on both sides of the floor. His post moves are a throwback to 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The one thing that really got me excited and we were laughing about this on the last episode was when he came in saying, I'm going to start shooting threes. <laughs> he never did shoot really any threes. Right. I feel like he gave, he gave, for his contract value as well, and 
you like I've been very big on this was a starting center for a team that made it through to the Western Conference Finals the year before. And I feel like he didn't get the credit he deserved for that Portland run. As a drop defender, he's actually quite passable. He's functional playing in the drop. The only problem is the Celtic switch everything system doesn't work when you have to switch. You have a big drop in because now you're switching almost everything. It becomes ridiculous. Right, and and like my whole thing was that when Cantor was put out there, enemy, uh, enemy teams, opposing teams, instantly <laughs> just like the game plan became attack Cantor. Yeah, pick and roll, and every time try and get Cantor on switched onto the guard. And it, I mean, look, man, at this point, you know what you're getting when you sign Enes Kanter. Right. Uh, as, a, as a locker room glue guy, as a happy guy, he's great. I'd give him a C plus just because he slightly exceeded my expectations in the way that he was uh, able to kind of swing games coming in sometimes, playing on that low post and just getting easy boards, easy buckets on putbacks. But mainly from his drop step, he's got such a good drop step dude that can get him those little po- those post hooks. And that was something I just didn't expect from him was just that little drop step that could open up so many scoring opportunities. So a C plus, slightly better than what I expected. He he definitely wasn't worse. Which leads us on to another big who could end up being the starting big for Boston if he keeps improving, and that's Robert Williams. Yeah, I mean, this is a tough one. Like, I think that this was... A little bit of a make or break year for for Time Lord, and especially next year is is actually that season for him. But yeah, I mean to only play twenty nine games on the year, um, and yeah, like you finished well around the rim. Um, but I, I didn't feel like the rim protection that he supplied was all that great, and that's really what you're hoping for with Rob William is obviously someone that runs the floor and then is also protecting the rim on the other end. Teams actually shot 6.2% better at the rim with Rob Williams out there. And part of that is because Tice was an impressive rim protector. So he was uh, backing up somebody that was already fairly good in that aspect. But like, I just, it's the defense that was the issue for Rob Williams this year. He couldn't stay healthy. Um, He spends most of his time in the air. Right, right. Yeah, he's jumping at everything. Everything, dude. Like he's like a puppy. You know, when you walk into a house where someone's got a newborn, like a new puppy, and the puppy's like wagging its tail and jumping because he wants you to yeah. pick it up. Like, uh, that's what Robert Williams is on defense, dude. You can see he's like moving his hips, moving his hips. Boom! He wants to jump. He just wants right. that. He's like he could a have puppy. three pointers. Like I know he blocks them, and it's weird, and like nobody does that. But like, dude, you're jumping at like every three pointer. Like, yeah, know your role, bro. Like, right. um, you know, look. A hippodema is a hippodema, and I think he caught that on a pick as well, Danny. That was something that was like an in-game injury, or it was something that was underlying that got aggravated by an in-game injury. So missing that amount of time from an in-game injury that happens to everybody in the league at some point or another within their career, unless they're extremely lucky. Uh, so I'm not going to hold that against him too much. I feel like when he came back in the playoffs, you saw what Robert Williams is capable of doing, and you saw where the opportunities for growth are in terms of um, mid-range shooting, facilitation after that short roll, and hopefully staying grounded on pump fakes that have no intention of turning into shots. What would you score him? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because you're right. Like There were moments where I was like, well, this guy could be the, the center of the future maybe. But like for the most part, I felt like he was kind of disappointing. Like I think I have to go a negative 
just for the fact of like I was expecting him to get more run. That way we could have more of a certain answer in either direction on if he would be able to be part of this future. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's got to be a little disappointing. Like, I think I go D+. Plus. I had a D+. Plus. That's what I had to. Just because, like you said, there were times at the beginning of the season where everyone was raving about his uh, his passing, especially after that high post, and it felt like he was going to be the guy to kind of fill Horford's shoes in that role. Uh, and then he went down injured, and then he came back, and you didn't see any of that facilitation, but then you saw... You know, the occasional pick and puff played with him. He looked quite comfortable rising up for that jumper. He was very like high energy coming in. He could get some lobs. He used to come off that double stagger screen with Smart and um, whoever was playing the four at that point and then get the lob. So there's definitely bonuses to having him on the floor. But at the moment, I do feel like if he doesn't show huge improvement next year, it may not be long. He may not be long for leaving Boston. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me. Um, who do you want to move on in next well, year? We're on disappointing, then I think we move over to Romeo. Sorry, Cody. Yeah. Sorry, if Cody, we apologize now. It's got to be. I mean, like, he just didn't get run, and, and that's the main thing. Like, you know, he had his injury concerns. I believe it, it, was, it was his thumb coming out of Indiana. Um, but for there to be different instances holding him back, um, during his rookie season, he had to only see 32 games and 11 minutes per during that time. Like, I thought that he showed somebody clipped it uh, the other day. It might have been today and put together all his like steals and blocks on Twitter. And like, it, it shows like Romeo has like a good defensive understanding. And I think overall, he has a pretty good understanding for the game. And I think we mentioned this in the last episode like, the game just needs to slow down for him. And I think that's going to happen. Um, I think he's going to be – I would have liked this season, I would have thought that he would get spotty minutes and be a negative defender but not terrible and show some flashes. And I thought that he would exceed in transition. Um, I thought he was a good finisher, that he would get more touches there. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it's got to be a disappointing season, even if you just want to point to the fact that he wasn't really out there. Like, there's very few moments we can point to and be like, oh, this is a flash of what Romeo could be because we just didn't see that much from him. Like, is it like a D minus? Like, D minus is what it is. And I mean, look, man, Ainge is, I mean, Ainge calls him Romy. So, you know, Ainge has kind of took a liking to this guy and he feels like, and when Ainge said in his um, exit interview as well, that Romeo's biggest strength is scoring around the rim and in the paint. And that was what looked to me as one of the weakest aspects of his game when he was on the floor. Like he was getting bullied once he entered the paint, the paint and around the post. He was up to kind of shoot either from the corner or take a few steps in and he pull up from mid range on that baseline. Uh, if he gets like a diagonal straight line of sight, he, he looks like he could do some damage. I just want to see him play a full season injury free. Uh, start to if he can keep that defensive intensity that he comes off the bench with, then Brad Stevens will find minutes for him. Because at one point it felt like he was beating out all of like Shemi and everybody for minutes just because of the way he was playing perimeter D. Uh, it was just the lack of appearance, the lack of court time. So yeah, a D minus is fair. And if we're mentioning Shemi, we might as well move on to Shemi. We're running out of guys here. We're nearly done. Yeah, I mean, all these guys are going to be pretty quick grades um, at this point. We could probably even. Um, just forget the explanation. Just go with just go with grades. Yeah, for Shemi, like it's not that much worse than probably what I expected. Um, 
a lot of it like depends on what you expected going into the year for him. But I don't know. I would have thought that he could be the seventh guy on the rotation, I guess. And I guess he kind of was, but yeah, I don't know. Disappointing, but not, not all too much worse than what I expected from him. Probably C minus. Adam D plus. Yeah. Just because I, I kind of expected him to come into this season knowing it was like a make or break year and show like large scale improvements, not be exceptional, but be a very reliable three and D wing. And I kind of expected him to come out knowing that this is the year. If I don't show a huge jump, then I'm going to be struggling to find how I fit within the league. Once I hit free agency Uh, for that reason and that alone, I was expecting more from him and I just don't feel like he stepped up to, to the task. So a D plus. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. And then you want to do Grant Williams next year. Yeah, because Grant Williams is a legend. I love Grant Williams. I love his game. I love his IQ, his defense. I love the fact he's figured out how to hit freeze now. Um, anytime he's talking, I just want to listen because I find him hilarious, the fact that he just doesn't take a breath. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, man, Grant Williams is never going to be a starting big on a decent roster, but he's going to be an exceptional glue guy. I feel like he's going to have a long career in the league. The fact that he come in, as a post player and has already figured out how to extend that game out to the perimeters. Very encouraging. I'm going to give him a B. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't say that he could like that. There's no chance he starts on a championship level team. I think he could eventually get there as like the fifth guy, fourth guy on a roster because I agree with you. I think he's a really good glue guy. Um, I think that I was really excited for him going into the year and that might be a little bit of the issue. Like, Draft Twitter got me super hyped on him. And obviously there was just going to be a little bit of a growing period for a guy that is just an exceptional IQ player that wasn't going to happen right away at the next level because there was a little bit of a learning curve that Grant was going to have to get used to and we saw that. Um, So I think it's a little below expectations, but really not all too far off for, yeah, I mean, the 22nd pick, like, I don't know, I'll I'll go a solid C. I just found, I feel like I was expecting him to be a plus on the floor. I wasn't expecting him to be such a big impact in the locker room mm-hmm. so early. So that's why he gets that additional few marks up off me. Fair and enough. that leaves us with, who does that? Is that everybody? Yeah. Okay. So like I have the very end here. We could rush. Like Javante like, Green, obviously. Right. Like it's, I think it's just what I expected for all of these guys. For Javante, didn't expect much. He didn't get much. For Tremont. I thought he was going to be a G League guy all year, even though I really like him. Like, and that's what it was. Taco Fall, super, super, super situational um, G League worst, guy. Worst talent, least talented player in the NBA. Yeah, he's a G League guy. And, and like Poirier, Poirier, I would say probably like disappointed me because I, yeah. I, I had hope in Poirier, actually. I thought he was coming over and it was like maybe another tie situation where like, oh, maybe we got – a guy that's actually a pretty good defender here, Poirier kind of sucked. Yeah, he just looked like he didn't have the lateral quickness to survive. Yeah. But there again, like this is what we said about Tyson his first season in Boston. It's what we said about Wanamaker. I've, I've been saying this, and I'm probably going to dive into the numbers a bit more if I have the chance. But I feel like Stevens red shirts his Euro guys first year, gives them spot minutes and lets them learn the league that way. Uh, if that's the case, then I'm hoping we see some big P- VP minutes next year. But I don't really want that at the same time because I want Time Lord minutes as much as possible. Right. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go uh, C for 
Javante, C for Tremont, D minus for Taco. <laughs> uh, it's just throwing shade now. Taco can get a C too. And uh, an F for Poirier. You know, I'm probably with you. I'm probably with you for all of those. And that wraps it up. Okay, it now we need to grade each other. So what's your grade for yourself through this season? How did you perform as a... <laughs> Myself? Oh, God. No, you grade me. I'll grade you. Based on my stupidly high expectations, probably. It probably is not the most successful. No, like, you could say I like met expectations, you know? I think I'll give you a B plus. Oh, we're grading each other. Right, right, right. Oh, hold on, hold on. Was you grade? Yeah, grade. You grade me. I'll grade you. No, I mean, well, you, you took off this year. This oh, was a big year for off. you. Yeah, I know. Come on. It was a big year. That's a big year for you, too. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to get an A. You got to get an A. It's like A minus. Get that A. <laughs> Brandon gets the B. The B there you plus. go. So, what if, what if we said, like, the Celtics season as a whole? Is it not just like it kind of met expectations? Like an okay, Eastern so, Conference Finals knockout? Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the expect. I mean, realistically, was it though? Like when when Horford left and didn't get replaced and then you, you get Kemba for Kyrie, was the Eastern Conference Finals? I, I remember having discussions with people before the season where everyone was like, if they make it to the second round, they're lucky. Interesting. Now, like, I would have expected them to get out around one, but I would have, my expectation was probably around two exit. So yeah, I'm going to give them a B plus. I think that's totally fair. I think totally when you look at, look at it from a player development standpoint as well, how many players on that roster took a jump? Because internal development on this roster is going to be far more important than fringe pickups. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. So um, due to that, due to the internal de- development making it to the eastern conference finals and pinpointing what areas are weak now like coming into the season everybody was like well where where's going to be the weakness is it going to be the five is it is the bench going to be what it's it's the bench we know that now the bench is the most dilapidated area of that roster right so so yeah i feel like a b plus is a solid grade yeah, I mean, I think they did a little more than you expected. Like, I think it's hard to say that this was a disappointing year. Well, okay. It's a disappointing it, finish. Right, because it wasn't Milwaukee or like Philadelphia, like we expected, you know. But at the same time, where they ended their season, a top four team, like I think that – I think it was it, it was above expectations. It was a a successful season. Where would you grade Stevens? Interesting. Um, I mean, he's still... Well, I guess if we're talking based on expectations... Hmm. Okay, so let me let me throw two things at you before you make this grade, yeah? Mm-hmm. He lost Carver Lawson before the playoffs really kicked off, who he was leaning on heavily as one of his assistant coaches. Right. So that's a big shakeup towards your coaching situation just before you enter the playoffs. And he's also the head coach. So a lot of the internal development needs to rest on him and his team as well. So I think those two points are things that are being very overlooked at the moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I think just with our grading though, of like based on what your expectations was like, I think, I mean, I was super high on Stevens coming into the year and I'm still super high on him. Like nothing really changed. There were moments in the playoffs where I felt like 
you know, maybe he took a second to adjust, but eventually he did and was totally fine. Um, like B minus. I, I was really happy with Stevens this year and a B minus yeah, like, doesn't really express that, but like I had high expectations. I got him as a B just because of those little things that happened, like losing Kyra Lawson so close to the playoffs. And I feel like she was such a big part of that coaching staff and she such an, uh, like an excellent basketball mind and quality mm-hmm. coach that losing her was a big, big hit. And I feel like right. maybe I don't, I'm not saying that she's the difference between Boston getting out into the finals or not, but I feel like, you know, she's definitely been, as far as I'm concerned, and I'm sure I've heard players say that she's definitely been instrumental in some of the jumps these guys have took this year. Right. So, uh, yeah, I'm in a B. I'm going to give him a solid B. He, he made the best of what he had, and he's going. He's exceptional at making, getting the best out of everybody. Yeah, I think it's hard to complain um, with the ending of the roster in total, really. Like, Celtics are in a good spot moving forward. Nobody, like, blew us away, I guess. So, like, our highest grades, I think we had Tatum and A. Um, Tyson A. Yeah, Jalen, I think, was a high B. Aside from that, like, pretty much all met expectations. The below expectations guys um, were... Romeo. Romeo, Time Lord. Um, Yeah, I mean, some of the rookies, I guess, and maybe we just expected a little too much from them going into the year for a team that like was really looking to be successful this season as well. Um, But yeah, I mean, for the most part, like this was kind of how it was a little better, but it wasn't too far off from like, I think how we would have expected the season to go. Well, I think that pretty much wraps us up for this Monday episode. If you're enjoying it, then leave a five-star review. Nice words only, please. You are enjoying it. If you got all the way to the end, you're enjoying it. Yeah, if you're listening to this at this point, we definitely deserve that five star. It's true. It's true. Six uh, if you can do it. Yeah, like just throw just start throwing up extra stars. Like leave the five and then just type type the word star, 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 star. Yeah, yeah. Don't like do a five and then a one star. Like that's no, there's not like two, three stars. It's not how this works. We'll five take star, five, five, we'll star. take ten, fifteen if you want. You we know? like reviews like we like our hotels, five star only. It's true. Yeah, it's, it's the only way we you know, about it. can afford five stars. That's what we're dreaming right now. No, yeah, we just leave that out though. Yeah, yeah. Now nah, we're, we're can know we're poor with poverty. It's true. And uh, yeah, man. And we'll be back on Wednesday to bring you some more basketball content when there's very little basketball content. You are welcome. No, we're we're supplying all of it. We got this. We got this. We'll be back on Wednesday. If you don't know who we are, I'm Adam Taylor. This is Brendan Nunes. You've been listening to us. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Find us everywhere. Find us in your dreams. Wow. Maybe just Adam. Yeah, just uh, I'll delete that part. (laughs) 